Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Well For Goodness Sake podcast on walking and living the 4-8 life, <laughs> seeking God first and daily, encouragement for your heart. It has been a hot minute since I was on here. <laughs> We're probably going on, I don't know, five weeks over Christmas of 2023 and New Year's. So officially, Happy New Year. Happy 2024. I'm so excited to be here with you today. <laughs> I have so much to chat about. This is a real life chat and I'm doing it all by myself. I had this whole idea of having friends on here, anyone that wanted to share something, interviewing, and that's still a thing. I'm still going to do that, but here I'm just here to talk by myself today in real life chats on the Well for Goodness Sake podcast. So thank you for being here. Thank you for your patience. Let's dive in. I also want to apologize in advance because not only has it been a while, but I got on here to start recording earlier today and my daughter decided not to go down for a nap. So I had to play mommy instead of podcasting. <laughs> and now my husband is outside with the kids and they're yelling and playing soccer. And so, you know, as I'm doing this by myself, I may or may not be able to eliminate the sound effects of the shouting goal that my husband screams every time my daughter gets a goal. <laughs> So I apologize in advance for that. How are you guys doing? How was your Christmas? How were the holidays? What did you do? Um, I have loved hearing back from some of you, even though I have been absent on the podcast for several weeks. Um, I've deeply enjoyed reading messages from some of you that have reached out. I received a very special gift and a card of encouragement and it just, it really touched my heart and it was just thanking me for being a blessing. <laughs> and I, it, it was just very, very encouraging. And so it, as always, it's beautiful to hear from each one of you that reach out through messages, through DMs, text messages, physical cards to send encouragement or to reach out. Um, some of you have probably caught on by now that Facebook deleted my account. It's been removed. If you've been looking for me or you wonder why you can't find my name anymore, <laughs> if you're not present on Instagram, um, they decided that I was violating guidelines. And I did receive some warning messages. I thought it was spam. And so I was afraid to click on those links inside of a messenger. So there was a couple of messages and then boom, I got shut down. <laughs> so I'm working on that. I'm working on appeals and getting that page back up. If I cannot retrieve my old Facebook account with the 618 followers I had on there, friends, family, acquaintances, I will probably start a new page just for the purposes of reconnecting with everyone and sharing the podcast and what God's doing in my heart and my life to encourage you and continue doing that. And hopefully that one doesn't get shut down. But if it does, I'm just going to keep on going. <laughs> so it's a lot of work. I am sort of trying not to mourn the history that is there. And today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about my history. I've always promised that I'd bring some stories in here. So I thought I would briefly go over some of what my husband and I have gone through over the last 11 years of marriage, some of our struggles. And in that, telling you that, 
our our history begins <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> Who would have thought? Um, we met on Facebook. So it's kind of sad and ironic that Facebook has removed my page when the history of our relationship sort of begins there. We did meet on Facebook. We did meet online. So there's some history there and it's just unfortunate to lose all of that. But God has his reasons and I don't know what they are all the time, <laughs> but I'm just having to trust in him and keep going, right? That's what we got to do. So let, I just want to dive in and tell you how our last 11 years has gone, you know, because sometimes understanding struggles from other people and knowing that you're not alone, that you're not the only one that went through a thing and knowing that other people care about what you go through. It's important. It's important to know that you're not the only one that struggles. So really quickly before I get into the entire history of our lives, as briefly and quickly as I can to not bore you, um, I'm just so grateful for each and every one of you and I pray for you. There's not a whole lot of excuses beyond the fact that I don't do very well the first trimester of pregnancy. I just feel very sick. The last three days, even though I wanted to get on here, I couldn't. I had such horrible migraines, it was making me nauseous. So I'll spare you all the gross details, but I basically didn't have anything in me to get on here. <laughs> Even though I spent time with the Lord, I did not have anything left to get on and speak through the nausea and all of that. But we're so grateful for this little one. We're just praying for God's blessing and protection and peace. And um, we'll keep you updated on the baby stuff and <laughs> everything going on there. So here's our story. In a nutshell, because I had to recently put this together anyway for something. And our history starts with my husband and I meeting on Facebook. I taught fitness classes. And so there's this huge network online. And not to get too detailed, we network, we meet people online, we collaborate, we create different fitness routines and things off of each other's fitness routines. We help each other out. We share music. And so I actually became friends with his cousin, um, who was also named Joanna. <laughs> and she was a fitness instructor in the same fitness program I was. And so we connected and then he found me on her page and yada, yada, yada. He friended me. I thought he was a fitness instructor. And bef about the time I realized he was not a fitness instructor, we were already talking and we were already interested in the conversation. <laughs> like we were already chatting. So, you know, of course my family knew. I, I let my parents know what was going on. And um, this is more than 14 years ago, I guess. And so long story short, we had a long distance relationship for three, little over three, like three years. And one of the incredible things about online <laughs> and long distance is you do a whole lot of talking. There's a lot of detail, a lot of healthy, great conversation. And you know how when you're in a dating relationship and you live really close by, there's a lot of hand holding and dates and less meaningful to me because it was really more of like you really want to hold their hand and you want to be close to them and you get distracted by being close to each other versus you're far apart and you have to talk about everything because you have to talk. And when we first met, he also didn't speak English. So he actually learned English. He was taking classes and learning to speak English while he was chatting with me. Now, he'd already been in the United States for many, many years. By the time I met him, he had gotten saved probably six years before I met him. So full circle, <laughs> several years later, three years later, we got married in 2012 at a gorgeous bed and breakfast owned by some friends of ours. We got to get married outside. It was beautiful. And if you're listening, I love you guys. Thank you for letting us get married on your property. And then we moved to Miami. And so things felt good, you know, and financially I didn't have to worry at that time. And 
I had built a full-time career of eight years as a cosmetologist. So it was difficult stepping away from that. I tried not to be depressed because he did work full-time. I hadn't found a job yet. So I floundered a little bit. We went to church and my struggle was mostly not knowing what to do, having given up all of everything and moving away. But eventually I started teaching fitness classes over there and I became a full-time student. I didn't have it in me and my heart to start over in cosmetology because I had built such friendships with all of my customers and it was just very heartbreaking to move away from all of them and you know I had to help transfer everybody to new cosmetologists and stylists so it was just heartbreaking and challenging to realize that I didn't have it in me to start all over I didn't know what the future held I didn't want to start a new clientele in a brand new area not knowing how long we were going to be there even though it felt permanent at the time you never know right so (laughs) I didn't start that I became a full-time student for the second time and we lived there for a couple of years and then our first financial struggle we didn't know it was a struggle yet but it began when the job opportunity just kind of shut down for my husband over that area and lots of prayers lots of deciding how to get out of the lease that we were in over there lots of prayers to figure out what the next step was and we felt led through prayer talking with family um, research and all the things to move back to the Tampa area we actually moved in with my parents and then we commuted over to Tampa we opened a brick and mortar business and we poured everything into that we had some friends we had family mom and dad there with us helping us get things going we had a family member and his family extended family put in a glass window for us we had some blessings we paid for things but we also had specific people that came alongside of us and helped us build this dream. And within a year, we were severely in debt and we were not making enough in that business to keep it afloat. So we had to make the unfortunate and (laughs) at the time it felt unfortunate decision to shut it down, to close our store. And it just, we worked there without a paycheck for almost a year. We put everything into that. I had dropped out of college to move back and do this dream with my husband and we felt defeated. And I remember for, you know, falling into, almost $200,000 in debt at that point feeling like I couldn't even look at the building that we rented a space from when we would drive by it. I felt sick. I We felt like failures. We even felt like we had failed the people that had invested in us either financially. We did have someone give us a gift um, and we had family that helped. Dad and mom were there. Siblings were there that helped us paint and build. Like I said, that family member that we paid to come put in a glass window, like a specialized glass window in our store. And so we didn't just feel like we had failed at what we thought God was opening the door for us to do. We felt like we had failed people in our life. They had prayed for us, that believed in us, they had blessed us or invested in us. And it took us years, years and years and years to overcome that feeling of total failure. And I think for me, it was anger and frustration at the time put in, maybe realizing that we weren't as ready as we thought. Um, I had to work at not feeling resentful or blaming my husband for certain things. Like maybe he wasn't as ready as he thought he was, or maybe I put too much trust in him for the finances. And I think he had to work on overcoming feelings of just complete failure, utter failure. And so for both of us, it was very challenging. It was something we had to work on um, in our marriage and then forget. We had to get to a point of being able to forgive ourselves and probably each other because there was, if we ever thought that we were not going to stay together, I thought it would have been then (laughs) when we were in that store. And um, we learned, you know, you think, like I said, when we were dating, we talked so much about everything. (laughs) And then as soon as you open a business together, you find out 
out that maybe there's some things that you didn't know about your spouse. (laughs) And it goes both ways, him about me and (laughs) me for him. And so you learn these things that you never thought you knew. And you're like, wait a second, (laughs) this is not who I thought you were. And you have to really give all of those things to the Lord. And it takes time. It's not just overnight. It took years before probably, I think it took like two years because we still were in that area um, eventually. So we were still living with mom and dad upstairs in a small room. And um, we both went and got full-time jobs. Like that's what happened next. And we were getting close to, we were like four years of marriage at that point. And I got an educational, an executive education position teaching. And he got sort of, we kept our LLC and we worked, he had specific jobs for certain companies that we had found when I hit the pavement doing something I'd never done, like these cold you know, cold, warm sales calls, um, hitting the pavement, going indoor, meeting people and connecting. We literally walked into schools, businesses and offered our services. And um, if, if any of you know part of that story, you know that my husband is an electronic technician. He can repair anything really. I mean, he figured out how to use a swimming pool and run it. And the first professional that we had come out to look at the pools, like this is a disaster. Whoever made this, it's so complicated to figure out how to run the system. There's so many pipes going this way and that way. And it's like a double system but one and he my husband figured out how to run and clean and manage the pump watching YouTube videos (laughs) he can take apart a MacBook and cell phones and put them all back together so God used his set of skills to continue running a business outside of a brick and mortar physical store and he was actually able to work from inside the home for the next year and a half while I worked full-time outside of the home and we just kind of worked together to try to get back on our feet and then that was the year that we moved um, 2015 we moved into an apartment in Lakeland. And um, during that year, we did get to go visit his family in Santiago, Chile. And I got to physically meet family members, including his mother. It was a very special time. And then when we came back, um, we just kind of busted into those two full-time jobs. And we moved out of my parents' home. We were in Lakeland now. And we thought that the storm was maybe subsiding. And all of this time, meanwhile, there's a little bit of a backstory here that's also huge. And that is, we went through immigration for five years. And when we were at the Lakeland apartments, um, we got pregnant with my firstborn. And it was during that season when we were pregnant, before we left Lakeland, that he finally got his citizenship. (laughs) And the reason that backstory is important is because that also created about a $20,000 financial debt. Um, There's legal fees and courts and immigration court. And it's kind of like that movie when you're sitting in immigration and they're talking to you and asking the questions like, what color clothes does he wear? And what what, does he have a nightlight next to his, you know, is there a a lamp on his bedside table? What's his favorite color? Um, It's kind of like that Sandra Bullock movie. Um, I can't remember the name. It's like slipping me. (laughs) Haven't seen it in forever. But um, that movie where she is an immigrant from Canada and they have that silly little clip at the very end of the immigration court asking all of the questions to everybody in her life and everything. So it's kind of like that. It's when you're in there being asked the questions, when you're looking back on it years later, you can laugh. When you're in it, you can't really laugh. It's a little bit stressful. It's tense. You're sitting there. You don't want to say the wrong thing. And you're constantly turning in piles of your life for people to dig through. And so this is where Facebook, we actually printed conversations that we had in Messenger as evidence of our relationship. We actually used some of the stuff that we compiled from Facebook and other places. My grandmother, who has now passed, one of my best friends, I've talked about her before, Catherine Fox, um, her, my dad, my mom, brothers and sisters, they wrote letters for us. So there was a lot of involvement. My my dad, uh, 
Um, and mom did a lot. Uncles and aunts invested in us, trying to help us out during those seasons. They loved my husband. They loved us. They knew our relationship was real. But five years of immigration can take a toll. Um, I can remember one day that we couldn't find a document and there was like anger and stress. We couldn't find something that we needed. We had a court date. We were trying to drive. And then, you know, my dad's just like, I'll park the car. Y'all go in, you know. <laughs> and it was one of those times that he was there for us. And, um, you know, we kind of kept the whole immigration process quiet for a lot of years just because people don't fully understand, not everybody, and maybe maybe some people you can give them more credit than, you know, you think about. But it was just better at that time to keep it more quiet for our personal life and just trying to get through that season. But there was stress. And that was the other time that maybe you would think, oh my gosh, this is not working. <laughs> this is really hard. You just really had to fall into the arms of the Savior and get through those moments and forgive if a document was lost and forgive if you didn't get the directions in, a, in advance and go and go through those stressful moments going through the court. And then finally, end of that long story is that when my husband got his citizenship, I was pregnant with our first baby. And right after, you know, being at the immigration, being at the courthouse for all of that, getting his certificate of U.S. citizenship, we had a party with family um, back at my parents' house. We celebrated. You can see I'm pregnant in the pictures. And God just blessed all of those seasons. And of course, you know, during that season, we were further in debt. And while we were pregnant with number one, we did have enough, just enough, just barely enough to purchase our first home. And we moved to Tampa and we moved in right just a few months shy of baby number one being born. And so we felt truly blessed. We loved that house. We loved our neighbors. We still love them. We miss them because we're not there now. <laughs> but we were there for several years. We were there until I was back in college again for the fifth time, finished my degree pregnant with number two before we moved. Um, but the next part of our journey is that on top of all of that debt that we had, um, baby number one was born. And this is coming around to maybe 2018. And following the birth of baby number one, not only did my birth plan change, I didn't, I went into labor and labored for 36 hours that turned into 40 by the time we had to do cesarean. It was not emergency at the time, but it was just too long. Um, what happened following that was that I suffered a whole bunch of strokes. We don't really know how many, but um, my face and arm on the same side of my body dropped. My speech was slurred and there was sleep deprivation. There was exhaustion. My body swelled up like a balloon. I didn't even recognize myself in the mirror for a couple of days. So it was just very intense. I was still very physically active. I was still doing fitness. I was still teaching fitness classes online at the time. I taught all the way through I was while I was pregnant and it was it just came as a shock. And so there was a lot of recovery time. There was a lot of recovering. There was therapeutic things that I had to do. There was one year of follow-ups, um, MRIs and CAT scans and, you know, putting the dye in your body, that contrast. And when you are breastfeeding, you have to stop doing that and pump and dump and pump and dump in order to go and have contrast injected into your body to really check your system out, make sure everything's okay. So for a year, I had to deal with things that I wasn't really prepared for. I dealt with some speech issues, um, word replacement, or I'd say couch instead of chair, but I knew what I meant. Um, I broke all the dishes in our house. I would run into things. I would hit my face, the left side of my face. Uh, the strokes were on the left side and I have a small scar in the left temporal lobe of my brain. And so that piled on about $80,000 worth of medical debt. So we were very near, um, you know, $300,000 of debt. Some of it we had, we had paid some small bills, like some hundreds here, some thousands there, but we just kind of sank into it. And it got to the point where when the bills would come, I just, I couldn't even look at some of them because they were going to collections. We couldn't deal with it. We couldn't set up a payment plan. There was nothing coming in to make any kind of payment. And I knew how bad that was because I have an aunt that works in billing and I've heard her talk over the years. I used to work in the same medical office that she still works in. And I, I have heard her talk about how frustrating it is when people's bill, they just let it go into claims. And I was just in such depression at that time that the two didn't even click. I didn't even, even it didn't even come to my mind about how horrible that was for the people working in the medical office. <laughs> I just, I couldn't even look at them. I would, I would literally physically start shaking because there was nothing I could do. It was during that season after having 
having strokes that I applied to like 50 jobs on indeed.com. I was going all over the place. I started influencing. I started blogging. I set up a website. I was doing everything. I set up an e-commerce. I researched. um, I spent money that we didn't really have. Not lots, not ridiculous, small amounts here and there to take some courses, to learn some things, to pull in some pennies. Um, I did MLM, (laughs) multi-level marketing. I have friends and family that would buy things from me. I never sold anything that I didn't like, but I definitely didn't like approaching family members. (laughs) So I did a little bit of everything. It was exhausting and it probably did not help the recovery process. But one of the things that I think may have even affected my strokes is that right after my daughter was born, when I was recovering from cesarean, I could barely get around because of all the physical weird things happening, not just recovering from a surgery and a birth, but all the stuff going on that was not normal in my body after that. We found out days after she was born that we owed over $14,000 in taxes for the business that we had already shut down that we no longer had. Um, And so it was just one of those things where there was a small mistake and a small mistake became 14,000. So we're well at the 300,000, over the $300,000 mark at this point. And on top of that, I had student loan debt because I was finally finishing my, you know, after setting up all these things and realizing I wasn't going to make enough money, I was in college for the fifth time. So I was kind of doing too many things at once. <laughs> Let's be real. And at some point I just had to stop because it was stressing me out. It wasn't helping me recover from the strokes for that whole year. And so I just decided to drop everything and focus on the degree and finishing the degree. And about the time that I was finishing my degree and we've got all of this debt, <laughs> um, an opportunity opened for us to move while I'm pregnant with baby number two. This is four years later after moving into that home, five years later. Um, we're in 2022 now and an opportunity came up for us to move into my granddad's home and take care of it while he was away. And so we, we are very grateful for that opportunity. It gave us a chance. We missed our house, but it gave us the chance to sell that home. And that helped begin the process of getting out of debt. It helped remove a lot of the debt. It wasn't complete, but it helped greatly. And we were able to invest and a couple of different things. And not once during all of those struggles did we see God's hand or grace or mercy leave us. But there were times that we were so distracted by the struggle that we forgot to look up to his face. And so that's really my, that's my message for today. That's my takeaway for today. Through all of the struggles for the 11, we we struggled financially for nine years out of 11 years of marriage. We just had our 11th anniversary last November of 2023. And we struggled financially for nine of those 11 years. And even though I have started some new things and I've figured out some new things and I'm doing new work and things like that, we've seen God's blessing. My husband's still working a specific job, but that that chance to kind of start over and then finding new things that are helping me now to continue earning and, and stay at home with the kids and homeschool them and all of that. Having these opportunities and these these blessings, I'm so grateful for them because we had entered the very first year, 2024, because of all of these new things, the new things that I'm doing now um, for work and that jump start to kind of start over to help get rid of a lot of the debt. Um, this is our first year in nine years entering 2024 completely debt-free aside from our real estate investment. Because let's face it, if you invest in real estate, unless you pay cash for everything, (laughs) you are technically in debt. But um, the only debt that we have currently is our real estate investment. And so, you know, we haven't taken off yet. We're not super successful yet, but we are successful so far. (laughs) We're not millionaires, um, but we are blessed and we are thankful for God's hand and his grace, his guidance and his provision. We never went without a meal. Um, I'm still here. He didn't take me home after my daughter was born. It was very easy to see how quickly God can just take you um, when I lost control of my body. And so it's very humbling and beautiful. And over the Christmas holidays, um, you know, we have struggled so many times 
sometimes it just feels like you have nothing left and you just feel like the song the old rugged cross you feel rugged i just think of that word rugged you feel rugged you feel like you have holes in your clothes and you're dirty you might even feel like you're wearing a hedge of thorns because you're under such pressure that you can almost fall into depression and if you're someone like me and my husband who love to be able to give back to others nothing makes us happier or gives us goosebumps more than watching someone jump up and down because they got something they needed and we were able to be part of that and when we could barely even buy diapers or what are we going to eat today we never starved we have family that if we were going to starve we could have called them and said we need some food today (laughs) in fact you know my mom brings over so much food (laughs) whenever we have a baby or whenever we're in need whenever we needed a meal so we wouldn't have starved there's enough family and friends in our life that we would not have gone hungry or homeless we would have moved in with someone and I'm grateful for that but we know what it's like to be so weighed down and realize that in this world at least in this body on this planet we you almost feel like you're never going to get anywhere we're never going to get on the top this is our life now I remember my husband one time saying you know somewhere in our years at the Tampa house (laughs) probably after my firstborn so between firstborn and secondborn whatever that season was um, waking up going to three jobs working nights working weekends working holidays saying this is not the American dream he he was saying it at like three four o'clock in the morning sliding out of bed and it made me laugh I chuckled one of the things I've learned is that going through trauma stress struggle whether it's financial relational I want to say we had a mix of a whole bunch of it we had physical stress financial stress relational stress all kinds of things that we had to really work through and I want to say that when you're going through the fire God can really do amazing things in your life if you turn to him and we had to do that over and over well it's not a one-time thing we had to continue to turn our lives over to him again and again and again and again and so we may have other struggles right we are still living in a mobile home but we have a fresh start because we've learned some new things and we're doing some new things and God's given us grace he's opened new doors and so we're excited for what the future has we're excited to be able to see change to see results so quickly from new things that we're doing and um, see God working in our life and see that that light at the end of the tunnel that we can start giving to other people again and blessing other people and hopefully sharing this struggle if you've gone through struggles of your own whether it's financial or relational um, there's probably three or four times in our marriage where we didn't know if it was going to work and we don't throw the divorce word around on purpose or casually or foolishly like well let's get a divorce but there were times you know and I'm not saying that anybody does that I'm not taking this lightly Um, I'm not mocking anybody Um, we all struggle I'm what I'm trying to say here in my heart is that there were times probably four or five times in our marriage during those struggles where we just like had a serious conversation when the children were not there or the child wasn't there however many we had and it was just like is this gonna work are we supposed to be together are we really bringing more glory to God being together and we didn't know and so it wasn't that we wanted to end things it was just so stressful going through really hard times going through so much struggle back to back to back to back one after the other you know what they say when it rains it storms and we felt like we never even had a chance to breathe between storms it never it didn't feel like any raindrops it just felt like massive thunderstorms tornado after tornado where you felt like you were just going so far in that you didn't know if there was ever going to be a way to get out and you would always struggle you would always feel stressed and you started to notice changes in each other like the less time you got to spend together you started to worry because you saw your spouse changing behaving differently under the pressure under the stress and the only thing that I can say for our marriage is that turning back to God is the only thing that really truly held held still holds us together held us together then and still holds us together now our belief 
and who God is for us and who he designed us to be. And I'm not suggesting that if you're in an abusive relationship or your circumstances are different from mine, that you should not consider other options. I'm not suggesting that. I'm saying in our situation, we didn't have any reason not to turn to God and every reason to turn to God. And that was the only thing that put the glue that held everything together in the worst moments. Um, When I was having strokes, I was trying to put my daughter in the car seat and I couldn't buckle. My hands were like six inches apart. They weren't coming together. They were like sliding past each other. And I started freaking out and crying and saying, it's not working. It's not working. Something's wrong. And then when I was trying to fill out the paperwork, she had to see specialists right after she was born. There was something um, different and we had to go and see specialists. And um, I remember trying to fill out the paperwork and it wasn't happening. I was trying to write the number nine and the circle for the nine was about four inches across the page from the line for the nine. And so I started shaking. I knew something was wrong. So we're not really sure how many strokes I actually had. Um, But when I think about God's presence and that he's always there during the labor, during the cesarean, during the strokes, during the financial struggle, I don't remember one time where I felt that God's grace had abandoned me or had abandoned us. And he is there for you too. And on the heels of Christmas, the meaning of Christmas going into a new year, what Jesus has done for us, what God has provided and given us through his son, it's such an important thing to remember. And if you're in the middle of struggle, I see you. I hear you. If you want to reach out, if you want someone to pray for you, if you're hurting, if you're struggling with, if you're struggling in your marriage, like I have many times, like my husband and I have many times where we thought we were going to get a divorce. If you have nothing left to buy food this week, if you are hurting because you're going through something medical and it's different, if you have a baby that's born and there's something different and you need to do something and you're scared and you're nervous, you are not alone. God is there for you. God is there for your children. God is there for your marriage. God is there for your husband. God is there for you. God is there for your wife. God is there. God's grace is there. And I love you. And there's nothing better apart from God's grace and love. And then the second best thing is knowing that somebody out there has gone through something that might be relatable to you. God's love is first. God's grace is first. Second to that, if you need someone to love on you and pray for you, I'm here for you. You don't have to struggle alone. It might feel like you're completely alone and nobody's going to get you. But if you want a listening ear, I'm here. I love you. I'll pray for you. I just want to close today by reading a small section on the heels of God's love, what God gave through gave to us, what he sacrificed, what he what he did on the cross through his son. There's a book called The Story of Reality by Gregory Kukul, spelled K O U K L. And in the chapter called The Trade, it's just talking about the cross of Christ when Jesus dies for us and what God ultimately does for us, how he fulfills that final act that provides so much for us. And in this one section he says, let me offer another way of making this point. And he's talking about the point of what the father did through the son for us as believers that provides a way to heaven, provides eternity, salvation. Let me offer another way of making the same point. Imagine for a moment a king who, having discovered a theft in the royal treasury, decrees that the criminal be publicly flogged as payment for the crime. When soldiers haul the thief before the king as he sits in his judgment seat, there in chains crouches the fail, crouches the frail form of the king's own mother. Without flinching, he he orders the old woman to be bound to the whipping post in front of him. When she is secure, he stands up, lays down his imperial scepter, sets aside his jeweled crown, removes his royal robe, then steps down and enfolds the tiny woman with his own body. Bearing his back to the whip, he orders the punishment to commence. Every blow meant for the criminals, meant for the criminal, lands with full force upon the bare back of the king until the last lash falls. In like manner, in those dark hours when Christ hung upon the cross, the Father took those who had put their trust in Jesus and wrapped them in his Son, who 
shielded them, taking every blow that they deserve. You see, there are actually three passions woven together in the single act of divine surrender. The passionate intensity of a God's anger at us for our sin collides with the passionate intensity of God's love for us, causing the passionate intensity of the agony of the cross to be shouldered by God himself in human form. This was not an accident. It was planned. And the prophet Isaiah described it 700 years earlier. And that's when he's talking about that verse that says, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. And so I just, this is so beautiful how it talks about how the intensity of God's anger at us for sin collides with the passionate intensity of God's love for us. God doesn't just punish us. He doesn't just punish us gleefully. He is a loving father. And this is going to really help open the door going into when I speak about the episode on understanding the character of God. He does not want to let sin go unpunished because he loves us so much. And it started in his design of us in Genesis. And then in Exodus chapter 34 verses 6 and 7, there is a big description when Moses is interceding on behalf of the people. There's a huge description of God's love, compassion, mercy, grace. There's so much there in verse 6, followed by 7 where it's kind of like, oh, but he's, you know, the third and fourth generation are not going to go unpunished. And so then it's like, wait, but this is the same thing it's talking about here in this book by Kukul, where those two things collide. It's almost hard to wrap your mind around like the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the three in one. I've seen people argue that Christians worship three different gods. Not true, right? We worship one God. There's a trinity that we have to try to understand and wrap our mind around because it's biblical. And so I just thought this was very neat and going into understanding the character of God in the next episode that we're going to be discussing. It's a beautiful picture to think about the way that Kukul describes what God did through the son, just like the king, if he went down there and bore that crime for his own mother, bearing the pain, wrapping his arms around her, shielding her, and how that love of God, that those two different things, those three different things strung together for us on our behalf to basically provide a way for us to spend eternity with him. He's continued to not just do for us, give for us, provide. He's given us the way. He's shown us the way. And he's tried to direct us to the way. And we're so stubborn, aren't we? <laughs> we're so stubborn. We try to do things all by ourselves. In closing, I just want to pray for all of you and remind you again that you're not alone, that you are loved by a heavenly father, God, creator, the one who wraps his loving arms around you and shields you and bore that pain through his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross in separation of himself from his son so that that final act could be complete on our behalf. And I want to pray for you that you will feel that love, the love of total sacrifice and surrender on your behalf, that shielding, that wrapping of arms around you. If you're going through something that is hard, if you're entering 2024 in a difficult time or a happy time, we're all going to face more difficult times and we need the Lord Jesus. We need God's love and mercy and grace. And so I just want to pray for you now and also remember I'm here for you. Heavenly Father, I just cry out to you on behalf of my listeners, family, friends, loved ones. Um, Lord, whatever they're going through right now, you know, whatever trial, whatever tribulation, whatever stress, whatever struggle, if it's financial, relational, physical, medical, mental, spiritual, God, I cry out to you that they would reach out to you, that they would feel your peace and grace, that they would feel that love like that king wrapping his arms around his own mother, bearing that pain, taking it into himself. I pray that they would feel that love, that they would feel what you have done on their behalf, on my behalf, on our behalf, through your son, Jesus Christ, in that finished act. We celebrate every year in December, the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, and all that you've given us. Your your mercies are endless. Your love is boundless. Your grace is sufficient. You love us. I just pray for all of the listeners, for all these friends and family members, all these wonderful, wonderful people that you love, that you sent your son for, that 
you're there for still. And I pray that they would turn to you and that they would feel your love and mercy and grace in their lives today. I also pray that they would see the end of that struggle, but that during the struggle, they would reach their fullest potential in you by turning their eyes to you to gain from you strength, wisdom, direction. Thank you for our struggle and my family. Nine years is a long time, so I'm not asking you to do that again. But thank you for our struggles. Thank you for all of the struggles that we've been through, the physical, the mental, the relationship, spiritual. We went through some, I went through some terrible spiritual times when we were going to a certain church in Miami. I went through some depression. I pray if anyone is depressed here or going through spiritual drought or struggling, wanting to be away from their partner, struggling in their relationship, struggling in parenting. Parenting is so hard. Give us grace and give us peace and give us wisdom and connect us to you, the Holy Spirit. Help us to grow and learn and be our strongest through you during these hard moments in our life. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode here on the Well, For Goodness Sake podcast. Um, I have to hop off (laughs) because I'm actually starting to feel a little bit sick, a little bit morning sick. Um, I'm just so glad that you're here. I love each and every one of you. Please reach out if you need prayer, if you need encouragement for your heart. Uh, Pray for me to get that Facebook page back up. (laughs) Pray that somehow my appeals will go through. We can get that page back up for you and get that connection. If you're listening to the podcast and you wondered where I went, I mentioned in the beginning that Facebook took my page down. So I, you know, I had 618 people on there. Some of you are brand new friends and acquaintances. And so I am just so sorry if you're listening to this and you can't find me, forgive me and pray that I'll be able to get that page back up and restore the history there and the connections. But definitely here's the podcast. (laughs) You could also find me on Instagram at well for goodness sake underscore WFGS, which is well for goodness sake, the WFGS. Find me on Instagram. Follow me there if you can't access me on Facebook right now. And as soon as I figure this thing out, I'm going to either make the decision to let it go (laughs) or start a new page. Page, um, just so that I can try to reacquaint and get back out there and find everybody again um, and reconnect with you. So if I, if you see me asking for a new friend request on Facebook, I'm probably not spam. <laughs> but I love you guys. Thank you so much. Um, stay connected. Drop a comment. DM me. I love to hear back from you. And I look forward to talking to you next time when we're talking about understanding the character of God. It's just so exciting. And after that, we're going to be going into the next chapter of 66 Days. So I love y'all. Thank you so much for your patience. And thank you for being here on Real Life Chats on the Well for Goodness Sake podcast. I love you and it's all because of him.